Welcome to Clippings, the official podcast of the Council for Nail Disorders, where Drs. April Schachtel and Dr. Catherine Stiff take a closer look at articles and clippings published on all things nail disease. Listeners can suggest articles for this podcast or topics of discussion by sending an email to kristen.cnd at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, and welcome to the Clippings Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. April Schachtel. I'm a dermatologist at the University of Washington in Seattle, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Katherine Stiff. Thanks, April. Hello, my name is Katherine Stiff, and I am a dermatology research fellow in Cleveland, Ohio. Each month, we're going to bring you articles relevant to nail disease in a journal club format. Our target audience is dermatologists, podiatrists, and anyone else interested in nail diseases. With that, let's begin. Our first article today comes from the December 2020 issue of the Journal of the American Academy of Dermatology. It is a research letter titled, Improvement of 11 Patients with Nail Psoriasis with Apremolast, Results of an Investigator-Initiated Open-Label Study. The authors are Dr. Oak, Dr. Hofam and Dr. Aluski, coming from the University of Alabama at Birmingham Department of Dermatology. The study was funded by Amgen. So the authors note that 80 to 90% of patients with psoriasis are estimated to have nail psoriasis at some point in their lifetime. And currently, adalimumab is the only treatment that's FDA approved for treatment of nail psoriasis. It's an injection and it's immunosuppressive, so alternate treatments like oral medications and medicines that don't suppress the immune system are needed for treating nail psoriasis. Uh, Apremolast is an oral phosphodiesterase 4 inhibitor that is FDA approved for the treatment of skin moderate to severe plaque psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. When phosphodiesterase 4 is inhibited, then cyclic adenosine monophosphate, or cyclic AMP, cannot be degraded. So the intracellular cyclic AMP is increased, and that in turn downregulates the inflammatory response from Th1, Th17, and type 1 interferon pathways, and it also modulates cytokine production. Apremolis is the first oral drug that's been FDA-approved to treat psoriasis since 1996. So these investigators performed an investigator-initiated, open-label, single-arm study to evaluate the efficacy and safety of treating nail psoriasis with Apremolast. They enrolled 11 otherwise healthy white adults, six men, five women, with a mean age of 47. Each of them had nail psoriasis with Uh, nail involvement defined as more than one fingernail with a modified nail psoriasis severity index or modified NAPSI of greater than five and nail pain greater than four. They treated those patients with Apremolast 30 milligrams twice a day for 52 weeks and patients were excluded if they used phototherapy or other systemic or topical treatments. Six of the 11 patients made it to week 36, and five of the 11 made it to week 52. The primary endpoint was the mean percentage change in the modified NAPSI at week 36 compared to baseline. 
An analysis of those six patients still taking a Premalast at week 36 showed a reduction in the modified NAPSI of 64%, which was statistically significant. And for a secondary endpoint, they did a modified intention to treat analysis and included all the patients who'd received at least one dose of a Premalast. They found that the mean percentage change of the modified NAPSI of the nail with the highest baseline NAPSI showed significant improvement compared to baseline at all the um, checks, 12, 24, 36, and 52 weeks. And they included a figure which shows that most of the percent improvement if the in the modified NAPSI of the target nail seemed to happen in those first 12 weeks with the mean improvement some somewhere between 50 and 60%, and that improvement was sustained um, out to week 52. They also calculated the number of their patients achieving MNAPSI 75 and found that it was three out of 11 at week 12, four at week 36, and five at week 52. And so since only five patients made it to 52 weeks on the medication, all of them had achieved the MNAPSI 75. So it's worth taking some time to examine the side effect profile of a premolast, which is the major limiting factor of using this medication. About half of the patients had nausea, almost 20% had abdominal pain, 20% had increased bowel movements, and ultimately of the six patients who discontinued the medicine by the end of week 52, half of them did so because of gastrointestinal side effects, and a third discontinued it because of lack of improvement of their body psoriasis, and one patient had an acute stroke, which was presumably unrelated. I think this is a really helpful study because it provides evidence that a premolast is quite effective for nail psoriasis um, and also shows that the majority of that improvement will happen in the first 12 weeks. And if patients stay on the medication, the improvement will be sustained. Um, the patients did experience the adverse GI side effects of a premolast, which I have seen other patients experience when taking it for other indications, um, which does significantly limit its use. And one limitation is that the study only evaluated white patients. Ultimately, I think a premolast is a good tool to have in your arsenal for patients with moderate to severe nail psoriasis who aren't interested in or are not great candidates for injection or immune suppressing type medicines and would like something with less monitoring than acetretin and a different side effect profile. And for those patients who are lucky enough not to have GI side effects or who can get through those first few weeks when they are the worst side effects, uh, this may be a great treatment for their nail psoriasis. Yes, I agree with that, April. I also took note of the high rate of discontinuation due to side effects. From our experience, if the patients are able to get through those initial few weeks, the GI side effects do become more tolerable. Um, so I think similarly, similarly to prescribing tretinoin when we counsel on dryness, uh, if we do extensive counseling with the patients, letting them know what to expect and reassuring them that the side effects will improve, we may have less patients discontinuing treatment. That's a great point. Uh, well, that's all for my article, Catherine. Uh, tell us about your article today. Okay, so... I stuck with the nail psoriasis theme and chose to review a research letter from JAD, December 2020, Treatment of Nail Psoriasis with Intramatrical Methotrexate, 
an uncontrolled prospective study of 20 patients. So I want to apologize in advance if I mispronounce anyone's names, but this article is by Dr. Chudhari and colleagues in Rajasthan, India. So as stated in the title, the authors were assessing the efficacy of intramatrical injections of methotrexate for nail psoriasis. The study population consisted of 20 patients with biopsy-proven nail psoriasis, not on any other treatments for the last three months. These patients had failed topical therapies, including corticosteroids, calcipatriol, tacrolimus, and tazeratine. The authors performed a ring block with 0.5 milliliters of plain lignopane, then injected 2.5 milligrams of methotrexate into the matrix on each side of the nail. They determined the injection was successful via feeling the loss of resistance and seeing yellow blanching of the lunula, and this is due to the yellow color of methotrexate. Injections were performed weekly for six weeks. CBC and liver function tests were measured at baseline and at each subsequent visit. So I want to take note there that's quite a bit of lab drawing and um, also the injections performing weekly for six weeks is much more frequent than we typically do for triamcinolone injections, for example, where we spread out the injections between four and six weeks. The NAPC was recorded at zero weeks, six weeks, and 12 weeks. And monthly follow-up was done for the next year. The mean reduction of NAPC was 3.70 at zero weeks to 0.67 at 12 weeks. No recurrence was noted with one year of follow-up. There were pretty few side effects. Um, those listed included pain at the injection site in two patients, and acute paronychia in one patient. So I was pretty interested in this and went on a bit of a interlesional methotrexate bender and found a few other related articles on this topic. Most of them are performed in India, including one in 2017 by Dalatabad and colleagues. They injected 2.5 milligrams of methotrexate into the nail bed of four patients for five treatment sessions at three-week intervals. So this is different already because they injected the nail bed, whereas the first article injected the nail matrix. They entered at the proximal nail fold and directed the, medial, the needle medially and distally to enter the nail bed via the matrix. And they offered digital anesthesia, but the patients opted to not receive it and did not endorse significant pain. So I find those patients must be pretty tough because I think nail bed injections would hurt pretty badly. At 15 weeks, yeah, right. I, I was pretty surprised that the uh, patients opted not to, uh, not to have the anesthesia. At 15 weeks, there was a mean decline in NAPSI from 4.87 to 2.17, which was statistically significant. Another study done by Dr. Middall and colleagues from Punjab, India, compared intramatrical injection of methotrexate to triamcinolone and cyclosporin. So this was the first study that looked at intramatrical cyclosporin for nail psoriasis. They performed digital nerve blocks and injected the medications into the nail matrix on each side of the digit. A total of 90 fingernails were injected, and in each patient, all three drugs were injected into different nails. 
The injections were administered at six-week intervals. They also measured NAPSI and found that methotrexate yielded the best results with the maximum number of nails showing complete recovery. Triamcinolone was a close second, followed by cyclosporin. However, these differences were not statistically significant. Uh, pain was the most common side effect, but with the cyclosporin group, pain was the most severe and lasted the longest up to two to three days after injection. And we have actually used intermatrical methotrexate for a patient with acrodermatitis continua of halipo in one digit. Um, we performed a conventional distal digital block with rupivacaine and diluted the methotrexate down to 12.5 milligrams per milliliter. So both, most of these studies were using 25 milligrams per milliliter. And we injected the proximal nail matrix at two sides on the digit using about 0.1 milliliters per digit. We performed four injections at one month intervals and um, our patient did very well and has not experienced recurrence of her disease. So as you can see, each study had slightly different methods and intervals of dosing. I would consider using methotrexate uh, intralesionally in patients with psoriasis affecting solely the nails uh, with primarily nail matrix involvement compared to uh, if it's primarily nail bed involvement, I would definitely be wanting to try topical therapies first. And I still think I would be more likely to try intramatrical injections of triamcinolone prior to attempting methotrexate. And this is due to the inconvenience of lab monitoring, patient burden of acquiring the medication from the pharmacy, provider time having to prepare the injections in clinic, whereas we have the um, intralesional steroids available. But for patients who have failed more typical therapies and have limited digit involvement, I would definitely consider using methotrexate. And I'll be on the lookout for standardized controlled trials comparing the efficacy of methotrexate to triamcinolone with some clear dosing interval recommendations. Thanks, Catherine. I agree. I think that it's really interesting to note how often these patients had their labs drawn with methotrexate um, and also how much methotrexate they received. It looked like the range was from, in terms of the average total dose of methotrexate per patient, the range was from 60 milligrams up to 300 milligrams over six weeks. That can be quite a lot of methotrexate uh, per patient and does makes sense that more frequent lab monitoring might be necessary, but weekly labs and weekly injections would um, be logistically tricky for our patients. And um, if that were really necessary, I think that would favor intralesional triamcinolone as well. Yes, I, I'm on board with that too. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I wanna to thank all of our listeners for their attention. And to all of our listeners, please share this podcast with your colleagues and trainees. Let us know how we are doing and which articles you want to hear reviewed by contacting kristen.cnd at gmail.com. Thank you, and I hope you will join us next time on Clippings.